to kids first coming attractions before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the voice america empowerment channel we'll take you behind the scenes interview celebrities and review new movies tv shows and digital releases now here are your hosts from kids first coming attractions welcome to kids first coming attractions i'm your host ethan person from the sunshine state florida Today we'll be talking with Callista interviewing Sarah Megan Thomas, the producer for A Call to Spy. And then we will be talking to Celine, interviewing Tony Bancroft, the voice director of Red Shoes and Seven Dwarves. And then I will be talking with Celine on Red Shoes and Seven Dwarves. And I'll be talking with Tiana on The Way I See It. Then I'll be talking with Ishan and Hinebra on Sky Dog and Carly on The Farmer and the Bell Saving Santolin. But first, we'll be listening to Calista's interview with Saren Mega Thomas, the producer for A Call to Spot. Hello there, my name is Calista Best, reporting for Kids First, age 17 actually, as today is my birthday. Um, <laughs> Happy birthday! Thank you. Um, and today here, uh, I'm interviewing Sarah Megan Thomas, who is the writer and producer of A Call to Spy, and also one of the main actors. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, but I hope you do, you're doing well on your birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so for my first question, um, like I just said, you are a writer, a producer, and an actor in this film. So, you know, what's it like doing all three of these jobs, and do you have a preference? Yeah, in terms of a preference, I... I like them all at different times. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like when I'm in the moment with each of them, um, they're all fantastic. But I will say the hardest one is producing in my view uh, because it encompasses so many different skill sets and you know, you really have to balance a big team on a film. So I find that the most challenging. Um, and I adore acting and I adore writing. But the nice thing about being a producer is you do get to see things from the beginning to the end, uh, which as an actress, you don't necessarily get to do. Mm -hmm. And in terms of wearing all three hats, yeah, I'm not going to lie. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> it's tough. But, but this is my third film doing that. And so I've gained experience over the years on how to take one hat off, put another on. In this film specifically, when it was my turn to act, I asked for five minutes and I put in headphones and listened to Churchill's war speeches. And oh. gave me, yeah, like, like five minutes to get in the zone of the time period and, and what I had to do next. That's interesting, yeah, because like, because um, I personally, I want to be a writer and a director, but I've also done a bit of acting. So it's like, I think definitely um, there is a lot of benefit into doing several jobs in the entertainment industry because you can see a lot of different sides. You can sort of like understand like where, you know, all the different categories of people are coming from and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And I think as an actress, it helps with screenwriting and it certainly would help with directing because you know how to speak to other actors because you know you've been in those shoes. And in terms of a screenwriter, it's the same thing. When I'm writing, a lot of times I will get into that actor brain and say it out loud and be like, does that feel natural? So they all kind of really balance each other nicely. Yeah, I think it actually makes a lot of sense when you do it like that. Um, 
And, you know, speaking of writing, I just uh, want to know, because I'm also, um, I just said this, I don't know why I'm saying, acting like I haven't, but I, because um, I want to be a writer too. Um, what, like, motivates you to write the specific stories that you do? So for me, I always start with a genre that I love and I think is popular and other people love. So my last film was like the first female-driven Wall Street movie. And I love Wall Street movies, but where is the female angle? And then with this movie, A Call to Spy, I knew that I wanted to tell a spy thriller. You know, who doesn't like James Bond? I love it. But that's a certain genre of special effects and where the women are involved, you know, more often than not, there's a romance that's at the center. And so I was interested in the female lens of the daily ins and outs of the grit and determination it takes to be a spy. And so that's when I decided to tell this story, which is about three real female spies in Churchill's secret army, kind of these ordinary, quote unquote, women who became these extraordinary heroes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, actually... That interested me because all uh, all three of the main figures in this movie were people that I hadn't heard of. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of interesting, like, um, people in history who are kind of, like, underrepresented in terms of, like, you know, uh, who, who, like, who they teach in school and, like, movie adaptations, the based on a true story kind of thing. So if you were to make another, like, historical drama based on a kind of underrepresented historical figure, um, who do you think you would make it based off? That's a great question. I honestly don't know. I think there's so many great female stories to be uncovered um, that I'd have to do more research. I can say I'm very interested in telling a love story. Now that I told you that I did a spy thriller, you know, I yeah. think that would be really fun. Um, but I'm also really interested in telling these real life stories now that I've done it, because I think, um, you know, there's the movie aspect of it just being entertaining, but there's also the educational aspect of these hidden figures of whatever world, the hidden figures of the spy world or whatever world I explore next. And I'll note that this film is PG-13, which is great because we certainly hope that a younger generation will learn about these women who aren't in your history books. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we are listening to Selena's interview with Tony Bancroft, the voice director of Red Shoes and Seven Dwarves, and then I'll be talking with Celine on The Red Shoes and Seven Dwarfs, Tiana on The Way I See It, Ishan and Hinebra on Sky Dog, and Carly on The Farmer and the Bell Saving Santaline. Right now, we're going to continue listening to Calissa's interview with Sarah Megan Thomas, the producer of A Call to Spy. Yeah, I definitely think because, um, you know, this is, like, I think that there's so many, like, interesting sides of history that we should explore more because like history can be so like simultaneously like amazing and also just so ridiculous and funny that it's like there's a lot of potential there that I personally think is untapped. Totally. I mean, there's stories in history that you couldn't make up, you know, like yeah. in this film, Virginia Hall, she, that's the character I play, she had a wooden leg. She shot her leg off in a hunting accident at 27 and she had this wooden leg and to escape the Nazis, she hiked over the Pyrenees mountain with a wooden leg in the dead of winter and she succeeded. And like, if I made that up, people would be like, no, no way, you know? And there's so many stories in history like that. You know, it's interesting you bring up uh, the wooden leg. Cause I was going to ask, it's like, 
you know, you play a character, you play Virginia Hall in this film and, you know, she has a wooden leg. Um, what was it like acting with, you know, having like a wooden leg on the entire time? Yeah, that was a major challenge during the shoot because it was really important to me to have some kind of leg on my leg, um, like a wooden leg, while I was acting, like even if I was off camera and just acting with another actor because that is the core of who, who she is or part of the core of who she is. She named her wooden leg Cuthbert. It was a part of her. And so I, I didn't feel like Virginia without it. So it was very challenging. You know, we had a, a wooden leg a real like wood that we ordered and, and put on my leg, you know, props cut around it so that it fit on my leg and it tied to my back. And then my back went out because it was too heavy. These things were really heavy. So we switched to kind of styrofoam when it wasn't like a close up. But, but it was very challenging because it's physically exhausting to constantly have to deal with that. So I can only imagine, you know, how hard it must have been for Virginia on a daily basis. Yeah, wow, that sounds excruciating is the best word I can use to describe it. I mean, if it's for if it for if it's for the film, I guess it's like you do what you got to do, but do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. Especially in that time period too, like that would have been even worse. Well, like, so the prosthesis that were made for men at the uh -huh. time so she didn't even have something that was custom to her leg. It was just like, here you go. And she'd have to put her, her stump into something that didn't even fit and caused blisters and, and all kinds of pain. Oh, God. Ugh. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> um, and uh, in a similar vein, what were some unique challenges working in a historical drama? Because I did look up some other films that you uh, – that you worked on and none of them really seem to be anything like this film. So yeah, this was a totally new thing. Um, working on a historical drama was fascinating because there's so much research you can get your hands on. Um, so I was able to access the real spy files of these women and, and speak with friends oh, or wow. living relatives. But then the challenge, the reverse is that you're playing a real life person. So mm -hmm. there's an obligation to, uh, accurately depict them, even in the context of a fiction film. Whereas with my other films, they're fiction, so you could kind of do whatever you want. So it was very important to me to do the research and stay true to who these women were and the arc of what happens to them in this movie. Yeah, I see what you mean. Because I think, um, especially in the context of, like, this is a story that's very undertold, you definitely do want to make it as accurate as possible, which... I can see how, like, in a context of, like, making a film when you, uh, of people who you don't know and, like, you don't know how they behaved, I can definitely see how that would be quite a challenge. Totally. Mm -hmm. And uh, for my last question, um, do you have any upcoming projects that uh, you're working on? So I'm very interested in this becoming a, a miniseries spinoff um, that can delve kind of deeper into all the lady spies in this Churchill's secret army, because there were many more than just the three in this film. Um, and at the same time, I'm exploring some directing opportunities. I also recently had a baby girl, so that will keep oh. me uh, a little busy through the, through the end of the year, next couple months. So there's, there's definitely a lot going on. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is late, I guess, but congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Thank you. Uh, um, yeah, thank you so much for uh, talking to me about this.
Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State, Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus Season 1, Volume 1. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State, Florida. We've been listening to Calista's interview with Sarah Megan Thomas, the producer of A Call to Spy. And next up, we'll be listening to Celine's interview with Tony Bancroft, the voice director from Red Shoes and Seven Dwarfs. I'm Celine Wise, reporting for Kids First, and today it's my privilege to be talking with Tony Bancroft, the voice director for the new film Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarves. Hey, Celine, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. You're very welcome. Welcome, Mr. Bancroft, and thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with me. Absolutely, no problem. I got time. I love talking about animation. Me too. <laughs> What about this modern fairy tale appealed to you and drew you to work on this film? I, I think for me, it was um, once I found out about it, I really asked the producers and directors to be a part of it because I loved um, being a father myself of girls. Uh, I love the really pro image uh, uh, message about it, you know, that it's not about who you are on the, uh, the outside. It's about who you are on the inside and that character matters and heart matters. Um, and that's the journey of Snow White in this version. And it's also got a lot of comedy to it. It's fun. That's the thing that really pulled me to it. It was a fairy tale with a twist. Right, exactly. Can you explain to me exactly what a voice director's role is in an animated film? Yeah, we work, um, because the actors, when they record for an animated film, it's done early on in, in production. There's really nothing they can, they can look at. They're not in an environment. They're in a small room. They're not on a set. They're not in a costume. 
So they, they don't really have a lot to help them understand where they are and, and what their performance is and what, what and they're, they're not even really playing against other actors. Like, so it's very foreign for them being in this small room recording. And what I do is I get in the room with them and I'll play the other parts against them so they can get the timing, they can get the feel of it. If they have questions about like, okay, in this scene, am I, am I emotional about these lines or am I happy about it? Or, you know, I can give them context and things like that. So I really dig deep into help them understand their location, the timing of where they're at in the film and what their part is so they can deliver the best character performance they can. That's awesome. Did you have any production? It is a very complex kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. Did you have any production challenges making red shoes? The challenges were really just um, always a scheduling thing. And this is how it is. When you work with big Hollywood actors, you know, they're making live action movies. They're making TV shows on the side. And we're just trying to get in there to get a couple hours with them to record these these parts. It's not a full-time gig for them. So we're always trying to squeeze into their schedule. And Gina Gershon, who, uh, you know, plays the villain in it, uh, Ravina, she's out in New York. Chloe Grace Moretz was in L.A. And then I, I recorded Sam, Sam Claflin, who plays Merlin, in, in uh, Fiji Islands one weekend. He was doing a shootout there in the Fiji islands. And we had to fly out there to Fiji and get him in a, his hotel room. You know? So was, that could be the crazy part is, you know, just schedule and trying to find them and go to where they are. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. I know. I like it. Do you have any interesting or fun behind the scenes stories to share with us from making this film? Oh man, so many. I have so many great memories of this film because it was just such a lot of fun. And I think you see that on the screen. There's a lot of fun that happened on this movie and a lot of fun that was poured into the movie. So it's, it's a great comedy and stuff like that. So not only working with comedy people like you know uh, Jim Rash and Patrick Warburton who did Kronk with me on Emperor's New Groove, it was great to record with him. But one of the memorable moments was when I had lunch with Sam Claflin. It was in between his recording uh, on that weekend in Fiji Islands that I was telling you about. Um, uh, I started drawing in my sketchbook, and I drew a picture for, I think, for his niece or nephew, a little Pumbaa drawing that I did. And, um, and I asked him to draw in my sketchbook, and he drew a Goofy for me. And I found out that he just he loves to draw himself and drew as a kid, and I always wanted to be a cartoonist. And I thought, oh, that's cool. So I still have his drawing in my sketchbook. Very cool. How involved were you in editing the final film? I wasn't involved with that at all. The, the film's producer and director really handled that in Korea where, where it was produced and all the animation was done there too. Um, so I wasn't involved with that hardly at all. But if there was any retakes that came out of, because in animation you try and keep it really fluid and, um, always evolving so you can improve things. So if there was some new recordings that would come up through the editing process where they're like, oh, I wish we had this line, but we didn't really get it. And this would make this so much better if we had Chloe say this part as Snow White. Then it would mean uh, me engaging with them again. They would write up a new script and I would, I would capture that, the, the vocal performance from the actor and give it to them so they can finish the film. Definitely very interesting. Yeah. 
You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we've been talking, we've been listening to Calissa's interview with Sarah Megan Thomas, producer of A Call to Spy, and later we'll be reviewing Red Shoes and Seven Dwarves, Sky Dog, and The Farmer and the Bell Saving Santa Land. But right now we're going to get back to Celine's interview with Tony Bancroft, the voice director of Red Shoes and Seven Dwarves. I'm fascinated that your twin brother Tom and you have worked together on six animated films. What kind of magic existed in your household when you were growing up? <laughs> we taught, yeah, I'm, yeah, my twin brother also is a Disney, um, you know, um, animator, and, and we grew up drawing together. That's, what, that's how we were competitive as boys. You know, boys oftentimes would be competitive with sports and soccer and football, whatever. For us, it was always drawing. And we would look over each other's shoulders, and, ah, that's not good enough, and, oh, draw it this way. And, um, and um, so I think it was just kind of like iron sharpens iron, having my brother with me that also loved doing what I love to do. It just motivated us all the time, and we were always drawing. We were just, that was, that was what we did. You know, the Bancroft twins were, were the artists of the family, and we had that reputation since we were little kids. And that's how we played. That was what we did. How fun to be a twin. It is. When did you get to see the completed film and what was your reaction to it? Um, I saw it uh, somewhat more recently, probably about a month ago or so, or maybe a couple weeks ago. And I was, I loved it. I, and I was very happy to me, you know, I was on early recording the voices, but there was so much more work that was being done over the last couple years in the animation and and the animator in me, I love seeing what an animator can bring to a performance and really make comedy moments that are funny in the room when a voice actor says something funny, but then how they can make it even funnier with the visuals or, or scenes that maybe, you know, I didn't think were going to be funny. Now they're playing really funny because the animator brought something to it or a new idea. And, and to me, I, I really love what animation can give. That's what, I, that's what I loved about seeing this all done is that it just it really rose, uh, uh, rose to a higher level of uh, entertainment. It's definitely super cool. What do you hope audiences will take away from watching Red Shoes and the Seven Doors? Well, it's, it's the message. I, I really, you know, like I said before, it's, it's got a great message that Snow White learns that who she is on the inside is what matters. And same with Merlin, her, her love interest in this, no spoilers, but her love interest is Merlin in this. And he learns that same lesson about what's, what truly matters is his character, who he is on the inside. Um, and their, their change that happens in the story, I hope that families watch this together, have discussions afterward about how important it is, what we look like as opposed to who we are on the inside, because that's, that's what I hope people come away with. Thank you so much for talking to me today. This was awesome. Thank you, Celine. You're welcome. It was amazing learning about the production secrets and what went on behind the scenes. Be sure to look forward for Red Shoes and the Seven Doors, which is airing now on digital and on demand in homes and castles far, far away. And kids first! <laughs> Available to own on Blu-ray and DVD September 22nd, 2020. I'm Celine Wise, supporting for Kids First, and today we've been talking with Tony Bancroft, the voice director for Red Shoes and the Seven Doors. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Person, from the Sunshine State, Florida, 
and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus Season 1, Volume 1. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Kirsten from the Sunshine State, Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been listening to Celine's interview with Tony Bancroft, and next we'll be talking with Celine on Red Shoes and Seven Dwarfs. Hey, Celine, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm good. So, um, first of all, how is uh, this movie? What's it about? Well, it was definitely really good. It was a fairy tale with a modern twist, and I really enjoyed it, how she was the one saving her fearless heroes instead of the other way around. And, well, it's about how Snow White finds this apple tree and she touches the apples but the apple turns into a pair of red shoes which when she puts them on it alters her appearance so this is basically like kind of like the golden touch or how would you say that um i'm not really familiar with that so when she touched the tree like how did it turn into like how would that happen like, how did that happen in the movie? With magic. Actually, I kind of I kind of want to see that because I really love magic movies. It's just, like, something about it that kind of makes you want to see it more. Just, like, the magic flowing in the air, and it just really wants you to watch it. So, how do you think the actors did their job in this movie? They were fabulous. Chloe Grace Moretz played... Oh, she was amazing. She was such a great voice actor. Do you have a favorite actor in general? In the movie, it's her, yes. <laughs> and then Sam Claflin, of course, mm-hmm. as so Merlin. What's your favorite part? Um, that's a really tough choice. 
but I think it's when uh, she was alone with Merlin. And they, like, really discover that beauty is not just on the outside, it's also on the inside, too. And why is that your favorite? I just think it has a really great message behind it. And I just really loved how the moment, the song, it was just a really great moment in this movie. I, it's kind of like one of those things where, like, it goes good at the end of a movie or, like, just those songs playing and then everyone goes happy at the end. It's not quite at the end. I don't really want to give a spoiler. <laughs> so, um, is there anything to warn viewers about in this movie, or is it perfectly fine? No, it's perfectly capable for all ages. Okay, so what do you think the moral of this movie would be? The overall message? That beauty is mainly not on the outside. It's on the inside, too. And... Beauty comes in all shapes and sizes, and that's really a great message for a movie. I agree with that because it's really important to everyone to know that it's not just about the clothes you wear. It's about what's your personality, the inside, and that's why people like you. So do you have anything else that you would say about this film that you really love? Hmm, the animation. It was amazing probably one of my favorite parts of this movie the it was just so beautiful and so modernized so i actually heard that um you interviewed some i think the voice director so how was that he was so fun to interview i definitely really enjoyed it a lot <laughs> he's a really like a legend legend <laughs> he's done so many animated movies this twin brother too I think I've actually heard of that before. So, on a scale, um, uh, like, how how do you think he was um, in his job, kind of? Like, how do you think he did for voice director? Spectacular. I don't, there's not much to say. He just did a really great job. I love, definitely watch my interview. He really explained it deeply, how he, like, brings the cast together and just makes them see the part of the, their character. And finally, I have two more questions for you. Um, the first one is, what is your uh, star rating on a scale one to five? Definitely four out of five stars. I really enjoyed this movie so much. And how, uh, what ages would you recommend this film for? Ages four to 13. Well, I in homes and castles far, far away. <laughs> You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we just finished talking with Celine on Red Shoes and Seven Dwarfs, and now we're going to switch to Tiana on The Way I See It. Hey, Tiana, how are you doing? I'm doing fine yourself. I'm doing actually really good. Today's been a good day. So, Tiana, to get started, what's this film about? So, The Way I See It is actually a documentary based on a guy named Pete Souza, who was the official who is a phot official photographer for the White House. And so it's based on a book he wrote called Obama in Intimate Portrait and Shade, A Tale of Two Presidents. And so it really just gives you an inside look of two of the most powerful presidents in U.S. history, Barack Obama and Ronald Reagan. And it just tells a great story through photographs, and you get to see a little bit 
of the president's lives when they were actually working inside the White House and then when they were just having fun outside. So it's really great. So in your opinion, what do you think makes this movie stand out more than the rest or other movies you've seen? You know what? I think what really makes it like different than other things I see is because I feel like it gets very like kind of up close and personal. Like you really just get a chance to see things that you normally that you normally don't get to see with the presidents. Like normally when you see them, they're like working or they're uh, running or something like that. But this documentary gives me a chance or everyone who watches it a chance to just see different things that you normally don't think that presidents or even people in politics would do. So I think that really makes it stand out. You know, you get to see these amazing pictures. You get to see them with their family, uh, things that they just do for fun. And so something that everyone doesn't realize is that they have a life outside of work, too. So I think that's the one thing that makes it stand out to me. So the way I see it, pun intended, there's nothing wrong with this film. So what do you think they should work on in this film? You know, I don't think there's really anything that they should really work on. Like they have a very sensational director, Don Porter, who I got a chance to talk to for another documentary she did. But I feel like she was... She's just so great, and I feel like there's nothing that they really need to work on. I feel like it covers everything that people would really want to know or even would be surprised to know. So I don't think there's really anything that they should work on. I think this is a perfect documentary and that everyone's going to love it. So can we talk a little bit about how that went? Like, when you met her, um, how was she? She is probably... Like, she is one of the nicest people that you could ever talk to. I feel like she was very fun. And I feel like she's not someone, like, even though she makes documentaries, there's a lot of times where people would think that documentaries are just, like, boring, especially, like, kids. But I feel like what she tends to do with her documentaries, she always makes them fun and something that everyone of all ages will enjoy. So she was a very nice and sweet person. I loved getting to talk to her. I kind of agree with that because not everyone watches documentaries, but sometimes they're really good because they show behind the scene of someone or something that people really don't see that much. Exactly. So, yeah. So um, out of this whole film, what do you think was your favorite part? Ooh. Uh, out of the whole film, I don't think I really had a favorite part part necessarily I think just my favorite thing about the film in general was getting to see uh, the life of the presidents just outside of work and I just love seeing all the fun things they do like we got to see uh, things of Barack Obama and his family and I really loved how they added like pictures and clips that you normally won't see like on the regular like Inside the documentary, they had a picture of Barack Obama getting on the plane when he was done his time as president. And I was like, wow, that's something that you never would ever get a chance to see. So 
I don't think I really had a favorite part. I think I just love that in general. So why do you think it's important for kids to watch this documentary? Uh, I think it's important for kids to watch this documentary because it's very informative and you can learn a lot from it. Um, there are some kids who really love history and documentaries. Some uh, may kind of like it. It depends, but I feel like this is the documentary that, and something that I love about Don Porter is she doesn't make her documentaries like they are a documentary. She makes them like they're almost like films or movies. So I think that's why, I think it's just important for kids to see it to really get a chance to learn about it. Well, we have two more questions left. So the first one is, what would you give the star rating of this documentary? Out of scale, one to five. I would give this a five out of five stars because I feel like it was just a very informational, fun, uh, more like a movie film that you could see over and over again if you really wanted to. And it gives lots of information. So like if you wanted to write a story about it, um, you really could. So I'd give it a five out of five stars. And what age would you recommend it to? Uh, I would give it a age recommendation of ages 8 to 18, just because I feel like it's not something that, like, really, like, younger kids would really be taking interest in or anything. Um, so, yeah, I would say 8 to 18 plus adults. Well, sadly, our time is up, so thank you for talking to me. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State, Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus, Season 1, Volume 1. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State, Florida. We've just finished talking with Tiana on The Way I See It, and now we're going to be interviewing Ishan and Hinebra on Skydog. Hi, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey, Ethan. How are you? I'm good. What about you, Hinebra? 
Hey, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. So the first question is, uh, Hinebra, what is this about? Well, this movie's like mostly about like a teenager who is just like a normal teenager, like everybody else. And then there's like a twist of events when he finds out that his mom is a CIA agent. So Ishan, uh, this one's kind of for me because I love dogs. Is there any dogs in this film? I just love dogs. It's more of a figure of speech, actually. You might, uh, you might have to watch the film to figure out what the phrase "sky dog" means. But uh, there aren't that many puppers in this film. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, Hinebra, this kind of sounds like a good movie, just the way it's named. So do you think that I would enjoy this or other people who would watch this would enjoy this? It's a fun movie, yes. Um, honestly, it's a fun movie. Um, I feel like some of the acting could be improved. But um, other than that, it's a fun movie and it's, it's enjoyable. So, yeah. so Ishan, um, what's your favorite part? Oh, man, I love all of the elements. Again, I do agree with what uh, Hinebra said about the acting. But overall, actually, specifically, two of the characters uh, caught my eye, and they really sold their uh, villain roles to, to me. Mimi Sagaden as Sheila Porter, and also Rocco Guirlanda as Agent Dewitt Porter. They were actually really, really effective villains and uh, actually kind of stirred up emotions in the viewer's heart. I think they were some of the better actors in the film. I really like that because I like those superhero villain films. So, he never. what was your favorite part? Um, see, I don't really know, but I do. The part that I really liked um, was that when, like, they were able to, like, face the bad guys. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but... Yeah. Um, I feel like that part was really nice, and I really agree with Ashan that um, Shelia Porter and her husband were, like, really, they really sold their characters, and, yeah. And do you have a favorite character or actor? Not really, but I really, I agree with Ishan. So, is there anything that might be bad in this film for, like, maybe younger kids or someone who, who's kind of, like, scared of, like, certain things? So in terms of, I guess, an advisory, uh, Sheila Porter mistreats Colt slightly at like two or three points in the film. And uh, like Colt and Alice steal a plane and defy the rules at certain points. There's also like thematic elements like kidnapping weapons, things like that. Uh, But overall, I think um, for kids age 12 to 18, it should be pretty good. And Hinebra, do you have anything to say? No, I agree. Actually, I I, yeah, I recommend it for kids like kids like ages like twelve to eight to eighteen. So um, yeah, there's nothing really like bad. There's just like a couple of things like that, like weapons and kidnapping, and sometimes like they'll break the rules, like Ashan said. But that's it. So, the uh, he never do you do you think you um do you think you know the moral for this movie? Um yes, I feel like it's like teamwork pays off because so there's a saying i don't know if you guys know it's like two heads are better than one yeah i know that i feel like this really fits the movie just because they work together and by working together they were able to like just face everything that was going on so you're you're gonna have to watch it to know what that's about yeah my math teacher would always say like two brains um are like better than one or something like just to get us like to do math like with each other so (laughs) Ishan, what do you think the moral of this film is? 
for me, I picked up that moral as well as two others, actually, two uh, kind of they're intertwined. Always do the right thing, no matter what it takes, and counteract any sort of negativity that's going on. And also to recognize the heroes around us, even though they may not be wearing masks or cloaks. So, um, Hinebra, what, do you, what would you give the star rating for this? Um, I give this a four and a half out of five stars. And Ishan, your rating? I'd give it a four out of five stars. Well, that's all the time we have. Thank you guys for talking with me. Thanks, Ethan. This was fun. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good day. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we finished talking with Ishan and Hinebra on Skydog, and now we're going to switch over to Carly on the Farmer on the Bell Saving Santa Land. Hi, Carly. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So um, I've actually seen this movie, so I really like it, but for the new audience who haven't seen this, um, what, what would you say this movie's about? Um, so it's a modern Christmas love story, and a girl named Belle loses her charm bracelet at her friend Josh's house, and then years later, when she's a famous model, she decides to actually go back and look for it in hopes that the engraved inspirational words will make her feel pretty again, and there she reconnects with Josh, but she realizes their farm's annual Santa Land is going to close soon, so she wants to help him out with that. So what was your favorite part um, throughout the movie? Um, My favorite part was, it was close towards the end. It was the Santa Land games. I thought it was very entertaining. And the one where they were with the pigs was very funny to me. Um, So who would be your favorite character? Personally, mine was Josh because he kind of, even though they've been through some times, he's still pretty nice and he tries his best. So who's your favorite character? Yes, I actually did like Josh the best. He was very welcoming when she came back and he he was just a kind soul and you could just tell he had good intentions for everything that he was doing. So yeah, he was very nice. Would you say, would you say there's anything to work on in this film? Um, what do you mean anything to work on? Like maybe something, um, like maybe someone didn't do their part right or like an audio mess up or something went wrong? Oh, no. I thought all the acting was great, all the settings, everything was great, and I think that nothing really needed work. So I actually love this movie. I think it should be like award-winning because I don't think it's officially like a, a real movie yet. But when it does, this should be really award-winning because I love this movie. Um, so, is there really anything to warn the viewers about in this movie? No, it's very PG. It's family-friendly, and it's a good family movie to watch together. There's nothing bad that happens in it. Um, so, I, I've actually heard, and I've saw the movie, that it's about Santa Land, and... Do you think this should be, like, I think in around December for Christmas or something, do you think uh, families and, like, kids would watch this together? Yes, definitely. It has a great story, and the acting's great, and it's actually very interesting because it's actually a real love story played by the real characters, so all the chemistry is genuine, so. So was the movie, like, how it was um for the real characters do you think they get it like 
they did a good job on doing it how it was in real life. Yes, I think they did a nice job portraying it. Um, obviously, because it was real and genuine. So, yeah. what's actually really surprising is that it's towards Christmas time, and her name is Belle. So I kind of thought that was cool how her name was Belle, like towards Christmas time. Yeah, that was really cool. So, what would you say? Did you connect with anyone, like character traits wise? Um. Yes, probably Belle. Um, she sometimes thinks that she's not good enough, you know, because of what society tells you how to look and stuff. But then she realizes later on that it's not what matters on the outside, but it's what on the inside that truly counts. So that brought me to my next question. Um, what's the moral of this film? Uh, the moral is it's not really what is on the outside and how others tell you how to feel like what's on social media and stuff but it's what you do when no one's watching and everything on the inside that is really important what would you rate this uh film and stars on a scale one to five i would definitely give it five out of five stars it was amazing the acting was awesome and the story was amazing so five out of five stars and what ages would you recommend this to? Probably 12 to 18. And I also think adults will love this love story. Well, it's been fun talking with you, but sadly we're out of time. So thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for more reviews on press for kids kidsworldcom and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus Season 1, Volume 1. I'm your host, Ethan Person, with Kids First. Signing off. Goodbye. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.